0: For Kings fans, this could be the best trade possible for them because, believe it or not, they now could be able to snap their 16-year postseason drought. It's been pretty shameful to be a Kings fan. If you're a Kings fan, you're pretty much admitting that you have nothing going on in your life, that you want to accept defeat all the time. But hey, now wait a minute. Hold up. If no one's heard the news yet, which you should have, the Kings and the Hawks made a trade. Now, it killed the Hawks. I have no idea what it did to them besides for, besides like free up some cap space. Because Herder signed like a four-year, $64 million contract or something. I'm gonna talk about that in a bit before the Kings. This is huge, and it's huge for one reason, because it was centered around Kevin Herter, who was a former shooter of the Hawks, which got transferred over, traded over to the Kings. The Kings gave up nothing to receive Herter. Now, you may be saying, well, you only got Herder. Herter. Let's break this down real quick, and I'm pretty much just going to jump into this, as this is just... um. Before we get to the podcast tomorrow, breaking down days one and two of NBA Free Agency, I'm just going to be breaking down this one trade, pretty much just making 20 to 25 minute um, episodes or not really episodes, but segments of the top trades or top moves happening. So with that being said, let's jump right into it. First up, we have the Kings. And I'm going to break down the trade first before I talk about all of the talent the Kings have accumulated without, like, throughout the years. And even just in the dra- this draft and even this free agency because they've done a lot. They really have. Like, they've been under the radar doing stuff. And I know we've been bashing them for the recent head coaching moves of uh, Firewick Walton, even though it was several months ago looking at like, what they're doing, making fun of the all this different stuff, right? But now when you look at this trade, and I'm going to say now, it, it's pretty good trade. It's a great trade for Sacramento, horrible trade for Atlanta, depending how you look at it. Financially, not bad. It's actually a win. Skill-wise, it's horrible. Because you have gotten guys that, don't equate up to Kevin Herter. But let's jump into it now. So the Hawks received Justin Holiday, Maurice Harkless, or Mo Harkless, and then a 2024 first round draft pick. The draft pick is pretty solid. It actually is solid. Like, with all things being considered, the draft pick is better than. The other two players, Holiday and Harkless, right? Because it's a lottery-protective first-rounder. And uh per ESPN, the cool thing about this draft pick is that it could be later turned into a top-12 protected pick in 2025. Or a top-10 protected pick in 2026. So something really, really interesting and again, like I said, it is better than the um, actual players involved. Not even kidding, because let's let's be quite frank here. Um, the, Harkless and Holiday, Harkless averages about four points per game. Holiday averages eight. Their combined salary will be roughly ten to eleven million dollars for the season. Then, of course, come 2023, they'll be free agents. I believe unrestricted, but I'm going to fact check that. And, again, I'm going to get to that in a second on why it's important stuff. But, so when you look at the Kings, the Kings didn't give up too much. Holidays 33. He was not producing. There's only so much when two guys only combined 12 points. Herter, who's a fantastic shooter, that's shooting 39 percent from deep from behind the arc that is huge so his free so his three point shooting is just incredible and that is something many people are pretty much wowed by him that's like his main game at least in my opinion so when you take it at face value um the Hawks are saving on money. They're trying to save on money because when Herder's four-year... So when the Hawks signed her the four-year 65 million, they thought they are going to get all this different type of production, efficiency, like scoring crazy numbers, maybe like 20 points a game, 17, 20 points a game, uh, getting rebounds, getting assists, whenever he can. Right, he's actually contributing. He's actually being worth that money per year and in the summer of four years right because they signed it last was last October I think it was last October but when you think but when you think about it it's like okay wait a minute now we could take some of the pressure off of Trey young we we're, we're building this out with Bogdanovich with herder with Collins young's there we got capellas there Oh, uh, well, it, it really did not shape out to be that way, right? Even though he's getting progressively better, in 74 games last season, he only averaged 12 points off of 45% from the field, 39% from beyond deep, f- uh, free rebounds, free assists, and that's pretty much it. Now, that's not bad, but like I said before, he's known for being a free point, uh, free point shooter, He's known for being a shooter, being a scorer. And he does that very well. Now, the overall scheme of things for the Kings is that they like to have a 12 point guy. They like to have a guy where they can put him in a starting lineup because for the majority of his career, he has started games. And that would make sense for the Kings. So don't misinterpret, don't misunderstand what I'm trying to say here. The Kings have made a really, really good trade because no one expected their front office to go headstrong to this trade and pull out Kevin Herter for two bums and a good draft pick, right? So the Hawks were probably looking at it like, okay, Herter, he's not working out. He's not pulling out the same productivity we saw he was going to get. We're gonna get out of him. We're gonna we're gonna trade him. We're gonna ship him off to Sacramento. And we're gonna save a lot of money. And so they're probably not even gonna keep both those guys. They may keep one guy, discard the I don't know. Or they may keep both and just let them play out to a 2020 freeze offseason comes. Who knows? All we know is this. If you had to put a grade on this trade, because I love grading trades, it's one of my most favorite things to do, especially when I just see all these different trades, the Hawks will receive a C. Why? Because there was nothing of significance there besides a draft pick and just knowing that you cleared up some things financially. So when understanding that, you give them a C. It's not a B because if there was a B, you would have had a B level player, or you would have had a decent to good player that was averaging 10, 11, 12 points with rebound assist on the side, like Herder. But no, it cannot be a B. It's not like they're saving tons of money. They are in in essence, there are in a way, but let's be honest. Let's be honest. The players cancel out what they save the money. This was just a financial transaction to clear up space. That's all it was. Now, is that bad? No, because they've, they made up for that, for getting DeJounte Murray, which I detailed that in yesterday's episode, and yesterday's segment, right, where I went breaking down DeJounte Murray's trade with the Hawks and Spurs. So there was probably methods their madness, and it would turn out to be, look, face value, just trying to save money, which makes sense. No one's going to scrutinize them on that. No one's going to pick him apart on that, right? So I would give him a C on that. Now, the Kings, again, this is an impressive trade for the front office. You you you, you, you don't see the Kings making many decisions like this or at least having this in mind and pulling it off. That front office does not work like that. They've never worked like that. But all of a sudden, with the few deals that they have on their belt, with this significance, right, looking at the shooting, looking at these shooting positions, they've now been able to fill that with Kevin Herter. And that is huge. Why? Because this is bigger than Kevin Herter. Herter's good. But guess who they signed on the first day of free agency? which was yesterday, they signed Malik Monk. What was it like? It was like a multi-year deal. It was like two years, $19 million, something like that. In the NBA, that's, that's not a lot of money when you're trying to find good shooters. Trust me, $19 million for two years. That's a lot of money. I may never come close to $19 million in my life, so let's just say that. But come on, you are topped your game here. So, you sign Malik Monk. They're like, what? The Kings were able to get Malik Monk? Why would he go from the Lakers, who has a better chance of making the pause than the Kings? Not anymore. I'm about to explain that in a minute. Oh, can't speak today. It's, it's been one of those days. It really has been. But, you have Malik Monk, correct? So, you have Malik Monk, shooting guard. He's in that shooting position. Then you have another guard strolling along, another shooter, Kevin Herter. You put those two guys together, does not matter who starts, but most likely Herter starts. I like to see Monk start, but I'm fine for your oar. I'm not going to get into that right now, we'll worry about that later. But now have those two guys, you're starting to fill this out. What this trade accomplished was... You filled out your shooting needs. You need another shooter. So now you have your starter. Now you have your backup. And these two could blend together. They could play as starts Both of them can't. Malik Mo proved that. Kevin Herter obviously approved that. So when you're looking at this, this is a quality trade. Because you're pairing these two with De'Aaron Fox. And Sabonis, Demonte Sabonis. And when you're looking at that, you're like, you got four guys that if they build up the chemistry right and they do things the right way and they're able to progress the right way, these four mesh, these four guys are going to be electrifying. They're going to be deadly in a way. So Herder, the reason why they trade for him is to address the need as shooting guard, at being a shooter. Now, that may be vague because I'm not using all these positions, but let's be honest. This is a positionless league. This just is. There's no set five positions anymore. A guy could be any position because you see centers now being, I guess, a forward that could take free. He's They could just woo whoever they want, right? We've been seeing that more and more. That's why when we looked at this past um, NBA draft, when you saw Chell Holmgren, Jabbar Smith, all these different guys that went top five or even top three were in a sense positionless because despite looking like a big man that could play center, they're now taking freeze like a power forward. Or just for like, right? You guys get what I'm saying. I'm gonna get back on track, but I wanted to point it out. So positions are not really important anymore, but shooters are, and the need for shooters have been filled by Herder. So you got Monk. Now you traded for Herder. You fulfilled that. So now you no longer have a need for that. If that makes sense. So when you're looking at this, so you have this trade. But now, how do we put that? Because in the beginning, guys, in the beginning, I said um, they can snap, they could potentially snap their 16-year, 16 16-season 16 playoff drought. Okay, well, how do they do that? So, okay, they signed Malik Monk. They traded for Kevin Herter. They got rid of two guys they were never going to use. They got rid of a draft pick. That, you know what's two years down the line. Don't worry about it. You're winning now. You're getting out of the rebuild. So that's their mentality. What do you do next? So here, if you check out the current death chart for the Kings, and this is not going to be the exact death chart, but this is going to be a rough one. Um, And it was posted by Jason Anderson on Twitter. earlier earlier today when it first came out. So for point guard, you have the starting. So I'm going to start with the starters. Then I'm going to do the backups. I think that will be easier. So for starters, you have the starting point guard, which is Darren Fox, the starting shooting guard, which is Kevin Herter, the starting small forward, which is Harrison Barnes, the starting power forward, which is Keegan Murray, and the starting center, which is... Uh, Sabonez. That's a really good starting five, guys. That's a really good starting five, because let's be honest, Keegan Murray. There's a reason why he went top five. There's a reason why he was categorized and uh categorized as a top five player, because I've I've expressed how good he is during draft week, leading up to it on Twitter. And I believe on this site, maybe. But I've, I've expressed on podcast episodes, on Twitter, social media, all that stuff. So Keegan Murray's solid. Darren Fox is solid. Darren Fox is the guy you're building around. Right? That's been said. He's the guy that's doing it all. He is like a fox. That is without fail. Like his last name is pretty much what type of animal he is. So then you go down to Kevin Herter. This is a guy that can shoot, that can score, that can do things that a team wants, and you have him locked in for the next few seasons, which is good because now you don't have to say, well, we're in a win-now position because we traded for a guy that's on an expiring contract. He's not. He's got three more seasons. He's got a few more seasons, and that is extremely Important to understand. So then you go down to Harrison Barnes. You're like, okay, now we're working with small forward. Harrison Barnes, you saw him have that, what was that, game winner last season against the Suns in the first few games, if I'm remembering that correctly. But Harrison Barnes is a great big man. He just is. He works. He's been working. He already has great chemistry. And he's now showing his potential. The thirty-year-old, even though he's thirty, he's been showing his potential, what he could be for the Kings, because you say, well, he's been in the league since twenty twelve. He's been showing. He's been proving it each year. Harrison Barnes is amazing. He's he's he was on the Warriors. He's won a championship. I'm not saying that he needs to prove it, that he's just some amateur. No. He's won a championship. He's been on championship-level teams like the Golden State Warriors. All I'm saying is this. That when he started with the Kings in 2018, it was 18. I'm sorry, it was 14. Then 2019, it was still 14. Then 2020, 16. Then 2021 it was 16 points a game going up. And I guess I should have counted that, but... It was 16.4. He kept going up. If we're going to do like the .4, 0.1, like all that stuff. Like we're going to really do that. But no, what I'm trying to say is that he's proving that he does belong on the Kings, that he could be taken seriously as a starting center with all this different talent, with all these different kinds of talent around him, with all these different young guys around him that can still produce at a high level, They're still able to get... Rebound physicality is good because he's averaging four four to six rebounds per game, but he's still showing physicality. He's using his length. He's using everything he has because even though he's 30, that's still prime. Just because you're 30, that means nothing. It means nothing. So Harrison Barnes is good. I've been on the Harrison Barnes train for forever. So, then you get down to Sabonis. Sabonis, he's good. Why do you think the Kings traded for him last season? There's a reason why. There's also a reason why they trade Tyrese Halliburton. There's a reason why they go all in for these types of guys. So, when you're looking at this, you're looking at starting five, that's a solid starting five. Then when you get into... Uh, the second group that comes in, not stars but the second string guys, if you want to take the backups, you have Davian Mitchell, point guard. He's coming into his second year. You have Malik Monk, shooting guard. He's the backup, who can play a starting role because he has before when injuries plague the Lakers. I've always been a Malik Monk guy. He was one of the youngest guys on that roster, and he still, pretty much still is, right? Uh, uh, if you're talking about the Lakers and stuff. But um, Malik Monk's good. Don't don't count him out. He was good with the Lakers. He's going to be good with the Kings. There's going to be no pressure on these guys. There's not because they've been failing for the past 16 years. So what's his 17th year? What's an 18th year? Right, and there's no pressure. This is not bust. make, it, make or bust. This is not a do-or-die situation. So anyways, then you have uh, guys like Richon Holmes, which is good. Backup center. Trey Lowes, good. Power forward, I guess. Trey Lowes is good. And Terrence Davis. So you got a core group here. you got a core group. So, like I said before, Kevin Hurd and Malik Monk, just going off this free agency, are huge additions for the Kings. The Kings are looking better, and they could be a winning team next season. And we're just going to start free agency. I don't know who else they have in mind. I don't know who else they want to target. They could obviously strengthen positions for sure. But they fulfilled the need of having more shooters. They got that monk. They got a herder. I'd be surprised if they get another shooter. Maybe they'll just pick up someone to have... Um, to a second to third string rotation if they want right? If we're really going to do that. Um, but, guys, this is a really good trade. The Hawks did not win this trade. Financially, yes, but we're not talking about that now. This is a Kings team that can win it and that could be a winning team. They can finally be a winning team of, like, 42 and 40. They could probably make the play If things work out the way things are, like the way these guys act on paper and everything just meshes, uh, then I see no doubt why, well, really why they couldn't make the plan. I think they could make the plan. I'm going to make the prediction now. If they stop here, they still make the plan. I believe that 100%. I believe that's going to happen. I have no doubt that that's not... I I think it's going to happen. Just plain and simple, it's going to happen. And I truly, 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 truly do believe that. Why? Because the Kings are finally having a good front office, making good decisions, executing them, and able to land good talent. There's a reason why guys are coming here. There's a reason why guys are excited to stay and to grow. There's a reason why Darren Fox didn't force his way out. You know teams will be pounding on the door for him. This is a time where everyone, from Barnes to Fox to Murray to Herder, whoever it may be, this is a very, very exciting time for Kings fans For you guys that rep Sacramento, because now maybe you can have a winning season of 42 and 40. Maybe you guys get 43 wins, 44 wins, 46 wins, 40, whatever the number is. Maybe you guys can finally have that chance. And the Kings are building a roster now and building a core group through draft, through free agency, through any means necessary. They're going to try to complete it, and they're going to try to have a winning season. They're going to try to make the plan, try to snap the drought of not making the postseason. They're going to try to do it, and I believe they can. So am I a full Kings supporter? Eh, I'm not like, going to be a bandwagon fan. I'm not a fan of them, but I support them in saying, look, they're going to make the playoffs, or they're going to make the play-in tournament right I believe before we talk about playoffs or playing tournaments, they need to win 42 games first. They need to have an above 500 record. Not above 300, not above 400. has to be above 500. I believe that. Because you can't end the season at 41-41. It's not acceptable. It's pretty much saying, oh, guys, we're just average. They won't get you anywhere. Depending on how our teams play And perform throughout the season. But I am excited because I really, really do believe that this um, Kings team can perform well. If they mesh together, chemistry's good, guys are not getting injured, staying on the court, producing the way they should. I I don't see them I don't see them missing the goal going 42 and 40. I believe we're going to see good seasons from Keegan Murray, from Malik Monk, Fox, Barnes, all of of these different guys. I truly do believe that. And with that being said, that's all I got. (laughs) That is legit all I have for today's mini-segment. I don't have anything else to add. I've pretty much said it all. Oh, I forgot to give the grade for this trade, i probably give you like a, a uh, B plus A minus because if we're taking the future of these guys and and just filling out what the needs were, I give like a B plus A minus. I probably lean more on A minus. I truly do believe that. I think that when you're looking at the big picture and you're looking at the the needs filled. That, that's really good. This trade did it. And it blew me away when the Kings were able to get that. When it was able to get a Herder. So, with that being said, guys, I'm going to sign off. I'm probably going to release... Uh, oh, my. I'm sorry. My apologies. I'm probably going to release another segment, podcast segment. Again, this is going to just go to YouTube, the SoundCloud, to iTunes, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio. All those different places, right, that our podcast gets up to, up um, uploaded to because even for these mini segments, they're like 25 to 30 minutes long, however long they're, even like 15, 20 minutes. It does not matter. I'm still uploading them. So this way, guys, you always have them. I will be doing the podcast most definitely tomorrow. I'll catch you guys for Saturday and for Sunday or whatever the schedule is going to be. Probably... Probably like Friday, Saturday. Because of free agency, I'm probably going to carry it out for the whole weekend. Uh, for f- 4th of July, guys, I am going to release another podcast there. I may do a mini segment or I may release an hour to an hour and a half podcast recapping all free agency. It just depends what my plans are, what the NBA has going on in store. And different things like that because tomorrow's episode, they give you guys a sneak peek. And I hope you do turn, uh, tune into that because it's very important. We're going to be talking about Kevin Durant, the Phoenix Suns, uh, figuring that does not happen uh, today, Friday, right? I'll try to get that through. That's going to be our main points. We're going to go over for days one and two on tomorrow's podcast episode. Running through that, I'll break down some of the guys, right? I'll break them down. I'll say if it's good or bad uh, decision. I'll weigh in my opinions, but I'm gonna go super fast through there so I'm able to get to the meat of the podcast, which will evolve around DeAndre and a third team that needs to happen. Nets, Suns, Devin Booker, all of it, everything. Whew! It's gonna be it's gonna be a heavy episode, but yeah, guys. I will catch you tomorrow. I'll probably release another segment. It'll probably be on Malcolm Brogdon as I am super pumped about that one, especially for the Celtics. Until then, guys, I'll see you tomorrow.